I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Sinead, can I blow your mind? Go for it. Nick Robinson mm. is the is in this show. He's Sean. He's the worst guy ever. He's not that bad. He's, it's, it's complicated, right? But he's pretty awful to our main character, Alex. Do you know where he's from, Sinead? I mean, no. He's Simon from Love, Simon. He's Simon from Love, Simon? He's Simon from Love, Simon. What do you mean he's Simon from Love, Simon? <laughs> he's Simon from Love, Simon. Of all the people mean... he could have been, that was not on my bingo bingo list. What? What do you mean? That's what I'm, that's what I'm, what do you I was mean? shocked. He was Simon. What do you Love mean? Simon. Little <laughs> Simon, what are you doing? Why are you being mean? <laughs> Go back to high school. Yeah. Good movie, I think, from memory. That's actually blown my mind. Yeah, I've, I've been blown since I read it. I, you didn't know about it. I waited until the pod to tell you and bloody hell. He's Simon from Love, Simon. I know. <laughs> How? Acting, I guess. <laughs> Hello there, this is I Only Like You and Movies. My name's Lonnie, her name's Sinead. How's it going, Sinead? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty well. This week we've watched Made. Mm. And yeah. I say this week, I've actually watched this over a pretty long period of time because it was a bit of a hard watch, Sinead. I, I couldn't binge it like I could some shows. What about you? Yeah. Not... Uh, did I binge it? No, I think I binged it, so I can't relate at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I think I, I think I might have watched two in a row once, but rest of the time I pretty much just watched it one on a go because also like you know I'm doing other stuff, I'm working and doing podcasts He's and things busy, like that. Guys, like just get yeah, off I'm the busy man. Okay, but it's not like you know you might chuck on and watch three Brooklyn Nine Nines in a row because they're shorter um, and don't have to concentrate very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but Made I thought was a bit of a, a hard watch, but I'm going to say it's an A. Best show of the year for me, I think. See, this surprises me because you were like one episode in and you said to me, oh, I don't know if I like this. Do I have to watch it? Does it get good? Did you like it? Well, I, I don't like, think I said that. I don't know if totally I said that. You totally did. Oh, my God. Mm. You totally did. And I was like, no, I keep watching. I think it, it sort of finds itself. It's, it's good. It's, it's not mm. like amazing, mm. but it's good. And you're like, okay, I'll keep going. What other show would that have been if it wasn't made? Well, maybe I just said it was a hard watch and then... No, no, I did, no, definitely. Okay. Very clearly the conversation. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Do you want to give us a bit of background on Maid, Sine? Love to. So it's based on a true story. Um, Alex is the main character and she's in an abusive relationship and she has a little girl and it's essentially her trying to leave this abusive relationship. And so to do that, she becomes a maid cleaning rich people's houses and sort of follows her struggle. She wants to be a writer. She wants to move to... Mm, Missoula. Missoula. Montana. One, one well, of, of all the, the places. Yeah, very <laughs> odd. Anyway, 
<laughs> That's fine. That's no, probably it's a good course by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, and it's essentially like the difficulty of escaping an abusive relationship and all the things that happen that, you know, put a spanner in her plans, I guess. And and how the system doesn't work, doesn't yes. support people. No. Or supports them in almost meaningless ways or makes them go through so many hoops that may as well just not go on Centrelink or the equivalent, right? Yep, definitely. Just how the system is maybe designed, you could argue. Um, I thought it was terrific and it was like a really grown-up show. And mm-hmm. like I think I've said this before, like oftentimes we're watching like you know, a sitcom or watching the latest superhero movie and, you know, they've all got their place in society. But it is nice sometimes to just go back and watch something that's made for adults dealing with difficult themes and I'm not saying I liked that necessarily but you know when it, when it's dealt with with such um, clarity and with such care um, it is a quite interesting um, experience and I think this is like important to watch would you yeah agree I with agree that with like that. yeah but still watchable not like it's you know some shows it's like really difficult and hard and you're like oh I'd feel depressed watching this there's actually a surprising light touch alongside the darkness um, we'll get into that some of the technical flourishes in a moment but i think you know based on the content it might put people off and that's totally fine if it's not something you know that you're into content warnings and so on um but for me someone who hasn't experienced this you know directly in my life but is quite you know in tune and supportive of of these situations um people in these situations to say um i thought it was really well done and it maybe given it's based on that um on the memoir from Stephanie Land. Mm. And, you know, let's give a shout-out to the production company of Margot Robbie as well and yes. John Wells. Yeah. John Wells is, like, a very famous TV person, ER, West Wing. Uh, and Margot Robbie, obviously, you know, a force Wait, for good. Who is she? I've never heard of her before. <laughs> Just really unclear about who she is. <laughs> well, you think about some of the things that we're getting these days because of Margot Robbie's production company, yeah. you know, Promising a Woman and Made, mm-hmm. as two great examples. You're like, okay. Gold Coast Girl made good, eh? <laughs> um, at the core of this show is Margaret, I think it's Qualley, um, who I only knew before this as the Dirty Feet Girl from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, that's who she is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and, and she's in Palo Alto, apparently, and lots of other things in recent years, but this is, what I guess, her, her first massive um, role. And... Thinking back about this show, right, like it's 10 episodes, they're all about an hour long. I think she's in every scene pretty much, isn't she? Yeah, pretty much. That'd be difficult as an actor. Like a lot of shows, you know, they're always there's an A and a B and a C storyline, so you at least have a couple of days off or you're not on the show is independent on you the whole time, but she's pretty much there the whole time from what I can recall. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think of Margaret Qualley, Sine? She was great, I think. She's a very charismatic actor. Um, I don't know. She had quite a frantic energy to her, which I'm not like it's a choice that she made. Those um, eyes sort of darting around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was great. And um, I think the chemistry between her and the daughter was really great and worked mm. really well. Great actress who played the little girl. Um, One thing I'll say, I, I think that's all great mm-hmm. for sure. How'd they get a little blonde girl from two dark-haired parents, though? Apparently it happens. And then really? as the kid gets older, the hair darkens. Okay. All right, then. That's all right, then. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you think of her 
relationship with her mother, Andy McDowell. Listen, Andy McDowell is having the time of her life in this role. Isn't she just? She really is. She's having the best time. Did did you know who she is the mother of in real life? No. Their mother and daughter in real life as well. Their mother and daughter in real life? What do you mean? Their their mother and daughter in real life, isn't it? How are they mother and daughter in real life? I, I assume she gave birth to her and raised her. Wow. Okay. Would you pick that? No. No, yeah. me either. But but now that you say that, I mean, I guess. I'm guess. flicking between the two photos. I mean, I guess they both have dark hair. Do they have the same nose? No, this is insane to me. <laughs> this is this is too much. Too First much. Simon from Love, Simon. Now you're telling me that they're mother and daughter in real life. Yeah. What's the third Which, thing you're going to drop on me? Well, maybe. Well, you know what? I'll drop it on you now if you like. So Regina, who is the wealthy client of Alex's, yeah, she is the voice of the Princess and the Frog Princess, Tiana. Please call her by her proper name. Thank you, Tiana. Yes. Yeah. And right. you know who Billy Burke is, right? Don't, don't you? Obviously, Billy Burke. <laughs> listen, he loves playing a withdrawn dad, a withdrawn, can't connect with his female daughter dad. Yeah. Ideally in Washington State. <laughs> He's just like, he's being typecast, but hey, I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. He's from Twilight, obviously, if you didn't get that reference. Um, but good. Yeah. Everyone's great. The whole cast is great. I just want to say everyone's great, and that's yeah. that's the thing. But you're right, Annie McDowell having the time of her life. And like, I don't, you know, I haven't seen Annie McDowell in heaps and heaps of things over the years. Obviously, Groundhog Day and probably falling in a funeral. I don't really remember that too well, but Groundhog Day especially is like, you know, one of the best films out there. As I recall from that, she's just like a really warm actor and performance and didn't really feel that here, which I thought was great. I think the kind of, at times she is very charismatic and is a, she pulls through as a grandma, but we should say that she's going through lots of mental health issues herself. Mm. And, you know, Alex is, is, is copying it from her abusive boyfriend or ex-boyfriend for most of the show and she's got two parents who aren't really parents, which um, I just think that was an awful experience. And most people would fall into that, but because she's our hero, she yeah. pulls through eventually. But, um, you know, thinking about how hard it is to be a parent, but if you're not a good parent, you can really set up all sorts of trouble, can't you? Yeah. I mean, she's also in Ready or Not, which we loved. Um, oh, yes, 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 from a couple years ago. Which is the most yeah. recent thing we've seen her in. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get into spoilers about Maid, so um, I think you should watch it. It's great. Um, the reveal that, mm. you know, this whole this whole series, Alex is upset at Basil, who's um, yeah. Andy McDowell's new boyfriend, because she can see that something's not quite right. And the reveal that the pattern of abuse started with her mother, you know, and all the boyfriends mm-hmm. that she had. Doesn't it just make the whole narrative just click together mm-hmm. in that moment when that's revealed and you're just like, ah, I see. So Alex put up with it because she saw her mum put up with it, mm-hmm. possibly even her mum before that. Mm-hmm. And it adds this, you know, we talk about in, in storytelling different types of conflicts, you know, there's mm. self-conflict, man versus man, and then man versus environment. And it's it's almost, you know, 
man versus history in this. Like mm. she's she's got this other element of trying to break this generational pattern of abuse and accepting abuse in a system that doesn't want to help women escape abuse. And it's just another element that she has to deal with. I, I totally agree. That's a really well put point there, Sine, is that, yeah, everything's against her. Thinking back about all the characters in the show, it's kind of like it's a, a cast of the worst people or in some cases the worst people or sometimes just, you know, people who are pretty awful at certain points in life. And then Alex is just like the nicest person ever trying to deal with it, mm-hmm. um, especially when they're dealing with the child. I read an article about the show. It's one of the criticisms they had of it was that um, Alex is kind of a perfect mother, even though she's going through all these difficult scenarios where, you know, almost everyone, no one's always perfect. Some of some of their anger and frustration would come out on their child, right? And But in the show, she is kind of, you know, no matter what she's going through, she's still always there for her daughter. She can always, you know, make time and go on a walk or get her the right dinner and all those sort of things. And it's kind of like maybe that's setting up an unrealistic expectation of motherhood is that you're always perfect all the time for your daughters. I don't know what to think about it. I think there is maybe some merit to that. At the same time, my kind of thinking was society and everyone else, grandparents, everyone else in the life is making her life difficult. But Alex puts everything aside for her daughter which I kind of felt like that was okay. Well, what, what are your thoughts? That's the central relationship in the show is mm. the maternal relationship that he ha- she has with her daughter. I don't understand what's what the complaint is from people who are saying she's a perfect mother. Like, yeah, that's the point. It's the mm. point that she cares for her child so much and would do anything for her, yet mm. she can't leave an abusive relationship, you mm. know? Mm. Isn't that the whole thing? Yeah. I, I like the article. People can read themselves to have to think about it, but... Yeah, the the idea I was kind of getting it before is that everyone else is imperfect in this show, but Alex is kind of perfect in some ways, yeah. especially being, being a mother. Is that maybe setting her up as like the perfect main character? I don't know. But you're totally right. She she has she trouble. She makes mistakes with other things yeah. though and like things mm. don't go right for her. Like, And she does some not great things, you know. Mm. She goes especially, and yeah. uses <laughs> uses the house of the person she's cleaning in to try and have a one-night stand. Like, mm. she's definitely a flawed character. Mm. But I think it's the whole point that she loves her daughter and that they get along together. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah, maybe this was the article maybe just trying to find one chink in the armour when the show is really good otherwise. But mm. I don't know if that's true. It's funny you say that, is that she is really has trouble leaving because that is a really awful situation because... She doesn't have the money to, for starters. Doesn't have mm-hmm. even a safe to go. And there are certain points where there's like almost like offers are made and you're like, well, just just go with the guy. Like, Oh, my God, are we talking about Nate? Yes. Oh, my God, I'm here for Nate. Okay. Hello, oh. welcome to the actual part of the podcast. Um, be with Nate. Nate mm. would love you. He would care for you. No one's <laughs> going to get that reference. Um, <laughs> do I explain it or do I just leave it hanging? I don't know. Um, he would love her so much. He has a beautiful house. He has a son. He loves Alex and cares for her. He's calling mm. her up on the phone being like, are you okay? Can I do anything? He gives her a car. I don't understand the issue. I think that the strings are attached, Sine. But there aren't she... strings attached because Nate's mm. not like that. 
Nate's mm. different. Nate would love her. And I don't know why she doesn't love him. Okay. Well, obviously, Sinead's got some issues with Nate that she needs to deal with. I love oh, Nate. God. She should just go and marry Nate. Yeah. End of end of series. But if she doesn't, she doesn't, Sinead. That's the thing. And no. I... Be with Nate. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting, though, because that is the thought you have, right? It's just like... We literally solved you've... all of our problems. You've got a knight in shining armor here. But I'm totally with her as well. It's like... If he's only doing these nice things because he likes me, is the expectation that I've got to like him back and I've, you know, we've got to have a relationship, which I'm not really sure I want to have. Like, I thought that was a really interesting conflict. Yeah, it is interesting conflict. But you're just like, go with him? Literally would solve every single problem that she has. (laughs) Well, there was that. And there's also just like, well, just go back and live with your, your dad. Like... He seems a bit weird, but at least he's got a roof over your head. Yeah, until and she then, realizes, yeah. which is yes. like a total twist that I did not pick. Did you pick that? No, well, I, I thought there's got to be more going on here, but I didn't know what the twist would be, no. So we talked about that. Let's do it. Well, in really interesting episode where she is cleaning out a house of a, of a child who's like, was he on the run still or was he in prison by that point? Is this a serial killer? Yeah, or the... He was never caught, I think. Serial robber. Isn't he the bear? He was never caught. That's why she thought Barefoot he was in Billy. the woods. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so she's cleaning out this old house in the woods. It's kind of a bit of a creepy area. And she's doing all the work because her, her colleague is not really into working much. Um, and so she, she finds a crawl space. And she's obviously finding lots of, there's lots of evidence in the house that Barefoot Billy, who's this sort of local criminal or local... Um, bandit i suppose you might say is he was abused as a child um at least emotionally and physically and she starts to empathize for that because she's a very empathetic person and then she gets stuck up in an attic and she starts to have some sort of repressed memories Mm. um and she can't quite place them and then eventually she does place them and she realizes that when her mum took her away from her father it wasn't just because her mum has got mental health issues of her own and was trying to like just go out and live on a commune sort of like just a wild child actually she was fleeing from you know her own domestic violence situation and that her dad had been physically abusive to her to the mum and that was really shocking to me really sad yeah i didn't pick it because this whole with the whole series it's andy mcdowell's character is the one that's causing alex's alex grief and the mm-hmm. worst thing that that the dad does is have a new family and doesn't have time for Alex from his old old yeah. family, you know. And he's also a born again Christian, which I think is mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, is quite uh, <laughs> doesn't align with her beliefs and is is um not something. Well, it's a new new thing to, to deal with, isn't it? Yes. Yes. So, at that point onwards, mm. and what what do you think though? She doesn't really want to address it with her dad until the very end. What do you think was the going on there? I think she was just. I think so many things were going on that she had to, like, prioritize what she was going to have a crisis about. Sure, Do you know what I sure. mean? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, that that scene on the sort of dock mm. where she's like, I need you to help me do this. Like, you've been a shit dad to me. You've let me down so much and there's one thing you could do to help me and he can't do it because he's, yeah. you know, a bastard. Well, what do you think about that? And it's something – So, okay, sorry, two things to say I want to say. Mm-hmm. First of all, that was a great point you made. Is like the first few episodes were kind of just getting frustrated by Andy McDowell just being so flaky and just 
being more obsessed with herself than her child who was trying to leave an abusive relationship and not wanting to help her at all, right? And just, you just like, just want to shake her and like, just mm. be a good mum for once in your life, lady. Yeah, yeah. But then it kind of does get turned on its head where you realise that, yeah, she's got mental health issues and also other personal demons she's battling and a lot of them are probably come from her earlier abusive relationship with Alex's dad and it kind of seems like a, a rolling aspect of her life is that she ends up with um, the wrong men. Yeah. And, and, and on that sense, I think she gets preyed upon too by these creeps, right? Like that's the... Oh, like sure. Basil is, yeah. is clearly using her for her money and house, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so really it does put you in a, put that all in different context. You're like, Alex is the mum here, isn't she? And she has been yeah. for almost her whole life. And it's hard enough to be that when you haven't got your own daughter, but she does, and also hard enough to do that when you haven't got everything else going on in your life. Um, so that, that was really interesting to me. Everyone's got hidden depths, haven't they? Even people who don't seem like they have it. Yeah. We just mentioned Basil. I just want to say something quickly oh, yeah. about him. So the whole point is that he's got an Australian accent. Mm-hmm. And the first few episodes, it's the most on-the-nose, like, <laughs> ochre thing. He's yeah. literally talking about throwing shimp on the barbie, yeah, which is not a phrase that Australians say <laughs> no. And I was like, oh, this is awful. Who have they cast? Like, where? who's written this? <laughs> this is terrible. And, of mm. course, it turned out it was a fake accent. So, mm. um, yeah, well done there. Hats off to you. I apologise for thinking that that was a transgression or something that was overlooked. <laughs> basil, she calls him as well. Oh, basil. Doesn't she also <laughs> call him another herb or something? I think I think Alice calls him cilantro, doesn't she, to, just to have a go at him. It's pretty great. That's pretty good. Uh, what I was going to get at, though, is that a lot of the characters in the show lie to themselves, which is very always interesting in a show, isn't it, with the characters, mm. like we know more than they do about themselves. And so, for, yeah, exactly. So, for example, um, Annie McDowell, Paula, she doesn't want to paint herself as a victim at any point. No. Even when clearly she's been going through enough, going through stuff in her life where if she just accepted help or asked for help, things would have get so much better in her life. That'd improve mm-hmm. immensely. But that's pride. She doesn't want to be the victim. She wants to be the one who left and the one who is on top at all times when clearly she isn't. At the same time, Alex's dad, Billy Burke, Hank, he, for some reason, can't remember being abusive. Hmm. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Even though I would suggest, you know, really the reason why he found God was that he wanted he needed to turn his life around because of what he was doing to his wife. Like, isn't that pretty clear why, why that happened? Yeah. There's an interesting dynamic in the show where he, he bonds with Alex's partner mm. we'll get partner. to don't worry we'll get to him um which is quite you know i felt annoyed by that like the the sort of he's got more sympathy for yeah. the abuser than his own daughter and he goes you know you, he's having a hard time at the moment with his rehab and what you're doing is really upsetting him and causing mm. him to drink more and if mm-hmm. that's not emotional coercion, I don't know what is. Like it's victim blaming. Oh, yeah. isn't it awful? It's your behavior that's causing this other person to act badly. Mm-hmm. It's not anything to do with them. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yep. Ugh, it's just horrible. Yeah, it's like he's lying to himself. He doesn't want to be thinking of himself as an abuser. Because that would be a horrible thing. And obviously he's trying to work on any of that in his life. Maybe he's a better person. Maybe he's turned his life around. But if he just said it to Elle, I think that's all she wanted to hear really. It was him to say sorry and to admit to it. But he wouldn't. And that was the most heartbreaking scene for me. I mean, a lot of heartbreaking scenes yeah. every episode. But that was a very heartbreaking scene. Mm. Um, now, I want to talk about Sean today. Mm-hmm. So obviously I never... And you can never excuse domestic violence or anything like that, right? I'm not going to start doing that. What I would say is that this show does have a good, does go into depth trying to reveal the hidden depths of somebody who was in that scenario. And I don't think the show ever tries to excuse him, which I think is a is a great strength of the show. But it does go in some way to explain or lay out the scenario for this to happen. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think maybe, I think I think what you're saying is that it's more of a nuanced portrayal of abuse. Yes. It's not a very cut and dry, he beats me every night when he gets home from work. It's, yes. it's done by a complicated person with complicated history. Mm-hmm. He was a victim himself as a child. He was a victim so. as a child himself, mm-hmm. which doesn't excuse people from, you know. Never, never. But... behaviour and stuff. Yes, um, you, can, you can rise above it, you'd hope. You can get help and, like, not mm-hmm. do that. Um, I don't know. I I think it was more interesting and engaging and obviously true to life, you know. He he almost, you know, there's a point where she goes back to him for a bit and for a moment you're like, oh, maybe, maybe he is better. Maybe he has mm-hmm. done X, Y, Z. Maybe it's, you know, mm-hmm. we're all good here and no. Well, I was really not. taken aback. I think it was episode one or two, I think it might be two actually, the first time she's in court, right? And they lay out kind of the opposite view of what she's done. And I was like, oh, my God, that looks really bad in the eyes of the court because what happened is they had an argument, and this is what the court kind of looks at, the facts, right? Mm -hmm. They had an argument, and then in the middle of the night, she left with no money, with the child, with no plan, didn't tell him what was going on, She's never gone to the police before then with with information or like you know victim report or anything like that. So it's out of the blue in the eyes of the court, and she's got no job or no real way to look after the child, as opposed to him. He's got a job. He works hard. You know, all she's done is is made. All she's really done is you know been a, a woman who's got you know gone <laughs> overboard for over nothing. Is what the court would think and look at. And obviously, we we know way more than that, and we've seen more of her story, so we don't we realize that's not true. But you can kind of see how the the 
the scales of justice are not in the favor of the woman who's being abused, especially if not being abused physically, right? Because you know, we talked about you know, coercive control and what he threw a plate near her head, not at her head. Oh, okay, that's all right then. That's not actual yeah. physical harm. Um, I don't know. I was kind of blown away when I thought about that, and I obviously shouldn't be, but yeah, looking at the facts and the way that the the, the justice system is weighted, you're like, oh my god, this doesn't look good for her at all. No, especially the there's. The main issue is that it's framed as her stealing the child, you know. Yeah, it looks like kidnapping potentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. what is like what has he done? That's so wrong. He had an argument, and that's actually what the dad says towards the end, doesn't he? He said, yeah. "All I saw were a young couple going through a rough patch." Bloody hell, mate! That's all you wanted to see. <laughs> yes, definitely. Mm. And I don't know. It is difficult in those scenarios. You don't want to call someone out there and then, but. When you're the dad, you definitely do that. That's your job to look after your daughter. Yeah. You know? Well, he cared more for Sean than he did for Alex. Yes. He cared more for himself because he saw himself in Sean and mm. that was a lie he was telling himself, right, that I never abused Paula as a kid. We we're just we we're just young and had a rough patch, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty dark show in some ways and that's just the nature of this sort mm. of content, right? But there are some light moments and there's some really interesting technical moments I want to talk about today. Please. Well... You know, there's a few dream, like, sort of fantasy sequences, yeah. which I wasn't expecting in the show. Um, so one, of, for example, is when um, Alex has got finally got Maddie in the right daycare. And it's almost like a dance sequence. It's a dance mm. sequence. It's, it's to Don't Stop Me Now, I believe, the yeah. Queen song. And <laughs> almost at first you don't realise what it is, but then you obviously realise this is her, you know, best day of her life. She's got the right apartment and she's got the, the girl in the good daycare. Yep, she's going to dance around to it. Obviously, that happened too late, too early in the episode, so I knew it was going to be the rug was going to be pulled out from underneath her feet. But you know, that was a, a sort of a flourish the show didn't have to have, but I thought it added quite well to it. Yeah, the, there's also an interesting one when she first um, goes to Regina's house, and Regina says, "Throw out all the food in the fridge," and she has this mm. sort of imaginative sequence of her stuffing her face full of food because she's so hungry. Um, yeah, and there's some more like sort of not psychedelic, but more abstract sequences, I think. Like there's the one where she slips into the couch and yes. she's falling, sort of sort of an allegory for her falling into a deep depression and she's uh -huh. at the bottom of this well, the bottom yeah. of this hollow tree and she can't climb back out and, mm -hmm. you know, she's just not there anymore. She's switched herself off. And yeah, so beautiful. they talk to her and they and she can see them, but actually she's in a, yeah. a depressive hole, yeah. Yeah. Another one is when she's going through all these forms that she has to fill out for the court. And, yes. And then, you know, at first the forms are just regular government, governmental forms, but then we see them and they're actually saying things like, you're worthless, you're a piece of shit. Mm. And obviously that's how, how they make you feel. Something that I think is interesting about these sequences is that they're not all CGI. Like they're no. really practical. Like those forms, for example, they would have printed the forms having mm. those words on them. It's not something that's superimposed in, in post. It's mm. they printed out that and she actually ate the food and the couch, she actually slips through the back. And I, I found myself going, oh, how did you do that? Like <laughs> did you cut out the back? How did she fall mm. down? Like was there a mat underneath that she, someone pulled her through? Um, mm. Really interesting sort of stuff. Like it wasn't just, oh, I'm having a dream that's so yeah. outlandish and it's all sort of colors and things that are added in posts they were let's do a dance sequence let's let's choreograph well, right. a dance sequence and it never felt like oh here's your obligatory 
dream sequence for the episode or no, something they're just doing for the sake of it. It always added to the narrative in yep. the moment and felt right, which is just wonderful. Mm. Uh, another thing which I thought was quite interesting, at first I was like, I don't know what I think about this, but then as the show went on, I was like, I like this, um, was when every time she bought something, we could see the actual calculations yes, in her brain I did like on that. screen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's got $20 in her account and she's got to buy cleaning supplies. All of a sudden she's got, you know, $15 and then so on and so forth. Um, and I, I was reading an article with Stephanie Land, who's the book is, is very much inspired by, it's not like a direct, you know, autobiography of autobiography film of her actual life, but very much inspired by it. And she said something like, I'll just find the quote now. Talking about the time and mental energy that you've taken up by tracking a budget when you're mm-hmm. on minimum wage. And they asked her, what was the hardest part of making that money stretch? And she said, a lot of it was just being able to afford toiletries and tampons and toilet paper. And like, and she goes on to talk about she had to buy a sponge. And then she had to work out how much this $2 sponge, how that was going to impact on her overall balance for the month. And like, you know, that's just not something that a lot of people have to worry about. But when you do have to worry about it, that's kind of all you can think about. Yeah. And I thought it did a really good, the show did a really good, good example of that. Like every now and then she'd be counting down in her head things and see it on screen with like dings. And then if it went, you know, over balance, it would come up with a big red cross and, a, yeah. and an alarm and like, oh my God, what do I do now? And there's one point where she, um, I think she was paying for petrol and she mm-hmm. went over, like, oh, my God. I know. She has to borrow money from someone else to pay uh-huh. for petrol. Uh-huh. I think not to the same extent, but you and I have been on Centrelink before for numerous reasons, you know, mm-hmm. not being able to find a job and having to jump through all these hoops. Um, I have mental health issues and that's prevented me from working before. And, you know, not to the same extent, but you and I early on had to skip meals to make rent. Mm. and chose not to get groceries because we couldn't afford it at the time, you know. There was a long time we just had, like, chips for dinner. <laughs> there was, because that's all we could afford. And you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> no, no, no. no, but I, I I, definitely, you know, again, not the same extent. We've also we've always had the the um, backup plan of parents and things like that exactly, to help us, to which Alex us. doesn't have. And we never had a child. We had, we had pets to deal with, but... yeah. To, to a different extent, having an actual child with daycare mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff would it makes it so much worse. But I, I'm with you. It, it felt real to life. Yeah, the financial stress, the fact that it's all you think about, and the difference that like it doesn't really. I don't know. I'm kind of finding that at the moment, my current job is an admin role, and I'm on a casual wage. So if they, if we have a public holiday, for example, I don't get paid, mm. but they all do because they're on contracts. And I've just noticed the difference between people who clearly have never been poor, <laughs> mm-hmm. never had to count their pennies, who are like, oh, I'll just take the rest of the afternoon off. And you're like, well, do I still get paid if I take the rest of the afternoon mm. off? Like, it kind of really matters to me. Well, I remember one thing back when, so that sort of weird period after I finished uni and before I'd found ongoing work, um, like you go to a party or you go out with friends mm. or something, and they're like, "What are you up to these days?" You're like, "Oh, not much." Yeah. <laughs> or you meet meet someone new at a party, and they're like, "Oh, so what do you do?" And like, "Oh, just uh, looking for work at the moment." Like, it just yeah. really difficult conversation. That's just you know pleasantries that you have with strangers. That's not mm. anything that really can affect your um your health, but it does affect your mental health because everyone is obsessed with 
the work they do or yeah. they're part of their identity. Mm. And and I think, you know, obviously Alex is very, she's had um, been accepted into college before and she's a great mum and all these things, but, you know, she's a maid. I don't think that was what she wanted to do in her life. And maids aren't looked in, domestic staff are looked down upon, which is something we should talk about in this show actually. But yeah, yeah it, it's um the emotional physical, mental, all those tolls it mm. takes on you, poverty, and it also, really tough. It's not just the stress. It's the So there's that, the financial stress, mm. right? But there's also you can't buy anything that makes you happy Yeah. because you're, you're literally doing the bare necessities. So chocolate, gone. Going to the movies, gone. Going out with friends, gone. You know, we've had times where we haven't been able to see our friends because they're meeting at a restaurant and they're having dinner together, you know. I remember being asked to be a bridesmaid for one of my friends and I'm like, well, I can't afford to mm. pay to get my makeup done. Can I, you know, can I do it myself, you know? And that wasn't an option because of other things. But, like, mm. it's something that people don't think about that it's like, oh, you're, you've, you can pay for that 50 buck, you know, pair of shoes for to be my, my bridesmaid. And it's like, well, I can't actually. I can't yeah, pay for that. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. I know, and we've had kind of a very brief, not very brief, but comparatively we weren't in that space for very long, mm-hmm. unlike some people. And, yeah, I still get, yeah, yeah. I don't go back there, put it that way. No. And no one should, and I think that's something that Stephanie Lena talks about in this article I read. Like one simple way to make life better for everybody would be to have universal childcare. Yep. Let alone universal basic income, which I don't know, you're a bit of exporter of, isn't I am. Yeah, you wrote a whole thing about it. Four-day work week. Four-day work week, exactly. It's all these things that make life easier, but yeah, make no, life easier have, for people who don't, because, who don't matter. Yeah, yeah. Awful. the poor people have to suffer because they're obviously poor because they've done something wrong, so it's their fault. Yep. Bloody hell. Yeah, I know. Um, now, should we talk about her being actual maid? She's a good maid. She? She's a great maid. She gets these horrible, she works horrible so houses where, like, people yeah. have died in the house or, like, mm-hmm. squatters have been living there, so there's no hygiene or anything. She does a great job in an environment where everyone around her is just not helping, you know. Yeah, and even compared to the other maids, she actually puts an effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least ones we see anyway. They think, like, they're just doing it for a job, right, and doesn't get any sort of support from even from a workplace for doing a good job. She yeah. gets, still gets paid $9 an hour or whatever it is. Um, Yolanda was a fun character, I should say. But she was, yeah. She was pretty awful at the same time. Because, um, like, she knows there'll be someone else. If Alex can't do it, someone else will turn up. It's like yeah. exploitative sort of workplace. But it's such as this show isn't the only example, not the best example necessarily, but it's just a great example of showing that I'm going to finish sentence eventually. Okay. <laughs> Hard work doesn't equal money, does it? Oh, God. The no. people who work the hardest aren't the people who get paid the most. No. Never. And it's never linked. And even if you're a billionaire or you're making really good money on a just a, you know, a six-figure job, you shouldn't think you're doing it because you work so hard. Like, you might work hard, right? But it's not a direct correlation. It's so much to do with your life experience your parents, your grandparents, where you are in life, where you were born, what opportunities you've been offered and taken. Like, it's not just how much you, how hard you work. Because if, if that was true, then all the maids in the world would be getting, should be getting paid billions of dollars 
people shouldn't. You know, I sit in a computer all day. I'm like, do yeah. I deserve all the money I get? Not necessarily, right? But we live in a meritocracy, Lenny. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. We just live in one. Yeah, where, where men just happen to always be better than mm. women. Like, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the worst part is in Australia, our prime minister believes in that. I know. The prosperity doctrine, wherever it is. Yeah. The more money you get, the more much, the more God loves you. Yeah. Don't know about that. Um, can we talk about one of my favourite episodes of, of the show? Yes. It's where she's at Regina's and Regina's going away for the night and she plays pretend and pretends that it's her house and puts Regina's clothes on and has a bath and goes into the spa and, like, mm-hmm. has this most amazing time and tries to meet with this guy, the guy who seems so lovely and they have such a connection, you know, and she's trying to, like, get back out there and date people and I don't know. There was just something really sweet and lovely about that episode and it's the same episode where Regina comes home, obviously. The whole mm. time she's doing that, I'm like, what are you doing? You don't have access to oh. cameras. You don't know whether mm-hmm. she's going to come. Parasite. You're such of. an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, of course, Regina comes home and then they have this beautiful scene between them when Regina, you know, is sort of confiding into Alex about her failing relationship and it's two women mm-hmm. sort of connecting on this level that they haven't been able to connect on before. Well, and also they, they shouldn't, you know. Society yeah. would never bring them together apart from this transactional relationship. Exactly. But actually they do connect, don't they? I'm not sure of the um, validity in, oh, she had a friend who was a lawyer who just pro bono took on Alex's case. I'm not sure whether that's exactly how it happened. It feels very Hollywood and very convenient. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, I don't know. And the fact that Regina desperately wants a child and doesn't have that sort of maternal instinct and maybe that's coming back to Alex being the perfect mum is that she just knows what to do with babies. But there are people like that though who just know what to do with babies and mm. who are very maternal in nature and Well that was another one I forgot about this where the opportunity sort of exists for Alex to go be a, a live in nanny. But she, Regina doesn't, doesn't want to hire her. Yeah. And like doesn't have to, I guess, but you're no, like in, in the context of the show, you're just like, just do it, Regina. She'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was a great episode and great callback when she still has the cashmere sweater in the last episode. It's beautiful, isn't it? And tries to give it back. <laughs> yeah. And then she figures out it's, was it $14,000 or something? $14,000? Yeah. She keeps it. That's, that's like very much what you would do, Sine. It is. 100%. <laughs> I just want to just quick side note. We'll get back to the show in a second, right? But I was looking up um, Anika Noni Rose, who plays Regina, and mm-hmm. as I said, she was Tiana in um, Princess and the Frog, right? There's this really funny line on Wikipedia about it. <laughs> I just want to read that to you today. It's about her being the voice of the first black princess, right, for Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film being released in 2009, the same year that Barack Obama and Michelle Obama entered the White House, was completely was completely coincidental, according to the according to the creators, which suggests to me is that someone thought that Disney had made Barack Obama and Michelle Obama the president and first lady that year. Like, what's that got to do with it being coincidental? Oh, I read that as <laughs> they waited to release their film until there was a black president or something. <laughs> I guess that's another reading what of it. What are they even talking about? <laughs> 
don't know. It's Disney have made this film, right? They've got it there, ready to go. And they're like, oh, just not yet, guys. We could make a lot of money out of this, but just just we'll hold on. No. I like I prefer the idea that Disney are in charge of who becomes president and they Well, I mean they own everything now, so maybe it's only a matter maybe of time. They do. <laughs> um the next sentence is but several commentators noted how the coincidence reinforced the positive betrayal of African Americans. Which Okay. Okay. <laughs> I guess it is a I guess it just so happens you might put those two together, like you know, things are yeah, racism's fixed in America because we've had a black princess and Barack Obama's president mm-hmm. is maybe the kind of idea they're getting into, but yeah, very weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, she was great in the show and made. Hmm. Uh, I want to talk about, a bit about the domestic violence shelter that um, Alex ends up in, Sine. Mm-hmm. I have to assume all that stuff is, is you know, the way it's portrayed is, is accurate. I would imagine so. Um, really tough, hey? Really tough they even have to exist in the first place, these sort of shelters. Like, yeah. kind of an indictment on society that they have to exist. We have to have a place where women can escape and be safe from, you know, intimate partners. Yeah, there's all those stats about, you know, women are most likely to be killed by someone that they know and, mm-hmm. you know, their partner. And yeah, Australia, we've had some awful ones here in Australia. woman dies every... Once a week, I think. Yeah, every week one woman's murdered by her partner in Australia, which is just mm. seems absolutely bizarre. Um, but... Denise, who is the backbone of this entire show, mm-hmm. everything falls on Denise's shoulders. She is an angel incarnate. She is the best person to ever exist. Yeah. I love yeah. her so much. Wasn't she brilliant? She was really brilliant. And just that really interesting mix of tenderness and care when it was needed, but also, you know, wasn't afraid to tell Alex what's what when she needed to hear it as well. Um, I thought she was terrific and it made me really appreciative of all the people in real life who, who do this and, and work in these spaces. Because as Alex is an example of, you know, just because you're down and out at the moment, you just need a bit of help and you can get back out there and you can be, you can get back in, on track with life. It's, if people like Denise went around, that wouldn't be the case. You'd be down out forever. Mm-hmm. People need help all i need we should help them society could do this yep as covid showed last year we could give everyone more money and help we could make accommodations for people that can't work on site Uh you know that they've been demanding Uh for years disabled people and turns out Mm -hmm. they can make it happen when it's most of the workforce can't they yep anyway we'll get off our high horse we'll just get off our high horse (laughs) i just would really recommend everyone watch made i think it's um terrific and Covers some tough scenarios, but does it in a pretty even-handed way, I think, mm. and a nuanced way. And, like, I, I, I was talking to someone recently, and they said that, you know, they'd be keen to look, to look into the other side of domestic violence. I'm like, what do you mean other side, for starters? Excuse me? Victim blaming, kind of, right? That's the impression I get. And they're like, oh, well, you know, sometimes, um, you know, there's more to it or something. I'm like... Do you mean well, there's more to it? What the fuck are you talking about? Who is know, this person? Right? I'll, we'll talk to off pod. We'll talk about it. <laughs> but the other thing I was thinking of, thinking more about, it, was like that's all we do in life in society is hear the other side yes. of it. You know, all we do about it is like when the a husband kills his wife and kids, we're like, oh, he had a really tough life, and here's a picture of him water skiing or something. You know, a he was a real firefighter person. murders yeah. 
you know, wife and kids, you know. Yeah, I, and I think, and then when people do go public with domestic violence allegations, no one believes them. So I feel like society is very much geared towards the other side of things. And, you know, maybe there's a little tiny bit of, of women getting back more exposure being given to women's actual plights like this show. But I feel like it's going against, you know, thousands and thousands of years of society and mm-hmm. of man's world. So, you know, it's probably just anxiety about, you know, that happening. But, yeah, I, I was a bit oh. shocked. And I think everyone should watch Made, you know, yeah. just so you, you can sort of <laughs> have a look at that. Uh, I'd be keen to read more of her work as well, Stephanie Land. I think it'd be interesting yeah, so to read. Yeah, commissioned to write a new book next year called oh, very Class, cool. which very is cool. very exciting. Yeah. Um, definitely keep an eye out for it. And yeah. Oh, one more thing I'll say is that I think I want to go to Washington. It's pretty cool, doesn't it? It's probably my favourite place in America, to be honest. Oh, you, you, did you go there? Yeah. yeah did you go to it. Forks? I didn't go to Forks. <laughs> okay, next time. Um. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really yeah, beautiful. Yeah, like... You know, beautiful greenery and mm-hmm. ferry and the water and yeah. the, the rain, tree really worth love. Yeah, mm-hmm. good stuff. What are you rating this? I'm going to five stars today. Really? Yep. Someone who didn't enjoy the first episode. Don't think that happened, but okay. It literally happened. I remember the conversation. Mm, maybe it was your other. Maybe it was someone else talking to. So. I'm going to give it 3.5. I really oh. liked it. I think it's oh. worth watching. 3.5? <laughs> Excuse me. There was just something about it that didn't grab me, and I feel really bad saying that because, you know, it's a story about domestic violence and obviously it's important and everything, but I just it just didn't quite get me. I felt kept at a distance from it the whole time, and there was something about it that didn't quite work for me, but I can't put my finger on. But overall, I think it was really great. So Interesting. Is it because you didn't see her dirty feet this time? Maybe. Maybe okay. it's because I was worried about the dog the whole time. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a huge part of it. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, okay, well, thank you very much for listening. We've had a great time talking about Maid, even though Sinead hates it. I don't have... 3.5. <laughs> that's like... It's a recommendation. I know. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I was really into it. I thought it was one of the best shows of the year. But we'll see. We'll, we'll probably do a wrap-up soon. We'll, we'll go back to our shows of the mm-hmm. year and see what's there. Emily in Paris coming up, obviously, soon. So that might just pip, <laughs> pip made at the post. Oh, my God. I can't. I've been for a while. How I'm do back. I respond to that? Like, I just, you're doing it to get a rise out of me. Mm. So maybe I just don't respond. Maybe you should mention it first. But then I play into your game, into your, <laughs> into your twisted, manipulative mind games. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, we'll be back soon. I think we're talking about Eternals for it coming up and maybe something else very soon. That is the <laughs> that's, that's a good hint, podcast. isn't it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there will be more episodes. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.